we've we've kind of framed this conversation with the with two words, sexuality and gender, and I think that comes out of a desire to not to not paint, say, the the, the queer community or the LGBTQ plus community with with the same brush. So, could you just describe a little bit, like, what do you see as the differences between the terminology before we get going too far into some other questions about these things? Sure. Yeah. Why don't you go for it? Yeah. Well, I think, um, I mean, it was actually probably eye-opening for me because there are so many, I mean, there's a lot of letters, even LGBTQ plus. I know our kids ask us, what do those mean? And so then, like, there's different expressions within that. Um, so to learn that, I think, is important to know the difference. So I think gender is usually more referring to, like, your own perception of yourself. And so, you know, may, you may have heard words like transgender or gender dysphoria or uh, or a lot of other terms, but it usually it has to do with more your own perception of yourself, whereas your sexuality, um, even how we would refer to that, it would be like how you're expressing your sexuality. So that might have to do with what they would say, maybe your sexual orientation or your who you are attracted to. Um, and so they're actually quite different. Uh, yeah, they're just mm -hmm. different. Yeah, and I think this is the important part, like we were kind of talking beforehand, like, um, a lot of times we can get really um, reactionary when we start to hear the, the difference between gender and sexuality is if like, because the Bible is just so clear that God's created humanity, both male and female. Um, but the thing that we also need to hold in equally at the same time is that humanity is born into sin, right? And so our perceptions of who we are are not clear. You and I are all born into an existence and an experience that um, is is hazy and is is hard mm -hmm. to navigate. And one of the, the the good news is that Jesus helps us navigate when we surrender these areas to Him. Helps us navigate the fog and come back to a, a proper identity mm -hmm. uh, in Him. Um, but I think this is where the onus needs to be on the church that there are those who are struggling who are not activists. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. sometimes we we want to lump people together that. Um, who are would identify maybe in the LGBTQ plus community or just even in that identity, but who are not activists. They're just strugglers. And I think the strugglers need to have a lot of compassion and be um, feel safe to be in a community where they can they can discover really who Jesus is and find that healing. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so maybe to, to jump off of that, to, to kind of combine sort of the, the asking of the why um, with with compassion, like sort of we've, we've kind of often framed the conversation around with, with words like sin or struggle or sure. um, like the need for healing, almost like, we, yes, there's people involved, but also it, it sounds like those, those words almost like elicit a, there's a problem that needs to be solved. So um, do you think that is part of the, the barrier to belief in Jesus is the fact that like mm -hmm. we're saying there's a, there's a problem that needs to be fixed and yeah. so is, is that a barrier and maybe what are some other barriers yeah well i i think i think yeah like but that's there is a barrier there is a problem that needs to be fixed and it's it's whether or not you're heterosexual homosexual or otherwise right like we all are born into sin and so we all actually have a problem that jesus has been willing to come and live mm -hmm. in the human experience come and live is the fullness of God with flesh and bone on and to, um, to walk the road that we should have walked to the cross to give us the gift that we could never buy in, in forgiveness. And so that is, that is a reality. 
Um, but you know, as we were, as I was thinking about this coming into this conversation, I think there are two main uh, barriers. Um, there's probably others, but two that came to mind is number one: we believe uh, things about who God is that just aren't true. And we see this in the garden. We see this like uh, in the first conversation that the enemy has with Eve starts to paint a picture of who God is that he's not trustworthy. And so he's gonna put a boundary around stuff or he has, he has standards or he has uh, commands that are actually mm-hmm. not for our good, but to actually they're, they're, there's ulterior motives there that we can't quite see. Um, and so I think that's, that's one barrier is either people don't believe that God is good and that he can be trusted and that his, his commandments, like First John says, are not burdensome. Mm-hmm. They're actually for our good. Like as a dad, uh, if I put a fence around the front yard where my kids play, it's not because I'm trying to ruin their life. You know what I mean? It's because right. the, our front yard faces traffic. And if they run out into traffic, it's going to destroy them. Mm-hmm. You know, so God being the perfect heavenly father mm-hmm. loves us enough to put a boundary around something that has the potential to do a lot of damage and to bring destruction. So, um, so that's the number one barrier is that, you know, a lot of times people will think that God's motives behind his commandments or his instruction, his design are not good and can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, number two is people deal with a lot of shame is when they, when they've, when they've bypassed that design, when they've crossed those boundaries. Um, Mm -hmm. and we see that again in the garden is that when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, they knew that they were naked. Right. So they knew that there was something that had gone on and they had, they had crossed a line. They went and hid themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So people people have this barrier to trust, this barrier to faith in Jesus because of the shame. They go, man, you know, I've gone too far. You know, like yeah. I'm already let's just be real. Like there's probably maybe there's people watching this who are like, I've already had surgery. You know what I mean? I've gone too far. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've watched things even before watching this online, I've gone too far. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and the yeah. beauty is that God came looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. And and so that we can see that that's the character and the nature of God, that even when we've, we've crossed uh, those boundaries, he comes looking for us mm-hmm. in his heart. Like there is immediately within that, that, um, that interaction with Adam and Eve and with, and with the Lord, there was a sacrifice made to create coverings for them. And I think that's a foreshadowing of, of Jesus um, who gave mm-hmm. his life to give us the, the robes of righteousness like Isaiah talks about. So yeah. I would say those being two yeah. barriers. And I think, like, I know what you mean about, like, it actually is insulting a little bit, you know, for people who are like, I'm actually choosing this. I actually want this. I am mm-hmm. offended that you would think there's something wrong with that. And I, I get it. Like, I get why... I mean, like I homeschool and some people like say things that are actually offensive. And I'm like, I'm actually choosing this. I actually want to do this. Right. Like, so that hurts me and it feels like it puts distance between us. I get it. I mean, that's different. That's like, well, maybe, I don't know. It's a lifestyle choice. Um, but in this scenario, I'm like, there's also for everyone who gets insulted, there are probably, there could be four or five who are going, please tell me there's a way out of this. Mm-hmm. And so like as the church, Yeah. It, it's going to offend some people and they might get really mad and they might yeah. throw things and say things. But also there's also there's 14 year old little girls who need to know that God made them a girl on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And I go and they're crying right now and they're trying to figure it out. So like, what does the church do? Do we just go silent on it? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do because we're like, I don't want to be mean, but it's also like, yeah, 
there's other people and they need to hear what Jesus would say. And Mm -hmm. there's one of my favorite quotes. It's this guy named Diognetius, who is a, uh, like, back in the Roman times, he was a historian, not a follower of Jesus. And he writes records of, like, watching the early church unfold and how it impacted culture. And he just, like, he said about them, they share their bed with no one and their tables with everyone. And I just, it grips me because it's like they have this personal conviction of, I know what I'm going to do with my sexuality. Mm-hmm. But even if you won't do that with your sexuality, I guarantee you there's a spot in my home at my yeah. table for you. And so I think, yeah, it's going to be insulting, even that we would say, like, this is what we're going to do and we think this is right. But it's like, are we matching our our standard or our conviction or statements with equal hospitality mm-hmm. you know and and unfortunately i don't think the church has yeah. i think i know from myself it like i ask questions of like how do i handle this i don't know how to handle this mm-hmm. but i've had to courageously like kind of lean into that space and say you're not trying to follow jesus why would i demand that you obey his words so you don't you swear like you have a potty mouth and you drink on the weekends like you're not trying to follow jesus come like have a place at my table. I don't care. That's not the point right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you know, you're, you're a lesbian or you're, you know, mm-hmm. had a gender reassignment surgery. Like, yeah, you can still come to my table, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, um, I'm like, take me up on it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I think looking again, historically, like the early church was birthed in a Greco Roman society that was like saturated with sexual perversion. Right, we have uh, temples to Diana that was just like the whole temple prostitution system. Like, so you'd have people who would be, um, you know, in in Corinth, let's say, like when Paul's writing this letter and listing this long list of people who are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You would have people who would be like the almost the air would be taken out of their lungs because they're hearing who they are. They're hearing that they're the fornicator will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're hearing that the adulterer will not inherit the kingdom of God, the effeminate, the homosexual, all these things. And there's a lot of other things outside of just sexuality on that list, which is important for us to remember. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, but then Paul goes on to say, and such were some of you, but you were washed and you were cleansed and you were sanctified, right? Like we, we need to keep that at the forefront of our mind. We need to be reading scripture contextually and historically knowing um, what was going on at the time mm-hmm. and and even seeing that the church was this high ground to escape out of the corruption of the day and to, to find identity and forgiveness. Because if you were a prostitute of that day, you had no hope of a new identity. Right. Yet Jesus, the gospel of, of Christ said you did. That actually when Jesus died, you died. And if you came and put your faith in him, who you were before, all of your past, all the history could yeah. be separated from your heart and you could have a new beginning. That That's Christianity that did that. The culture at the time did not, did not do that. There was that. no start. There's no new start. Yeah. And so like what Bonnie is saying is absolutely true. Like this, this was a community that, that was so committed to seeing people come out of this lifestyle, come out of this brokenness and to really find identity um, and, and part, be part of a family, be part of a movement. Um, that would give them a fresh start, you know what I mean? So, so that's, a, that's, a good, that's maybe a good place to kind of to jump in there because I think something that I'm running up against 
like consistently is we, we kind of go like, yeah, let's just go back to the word or let's, let's just go back to Jesus. But then the difficulty is like, well, I, I, have, I have friends who are, who are part of the queer community who are like, well, you know what, Jesse, like, I, if, if your church isn't, isn't queer affirming, I can find one that is and, and uses the same Bible you use and, and loves the same Jesus you love. So, so what would you say to like, how, like how, much, how much gray is there here? Like how much, how much wiggle room do you think we have uh, in some of these issues? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think, I think it's important to separate this into kind of three different areas. So, so somebody, if they would say, I have queer desires, it's like, well, I think we can all get around that in some way, shape or form. And what I mean by that is that we all actually have sinful desires. Like if we were to be, if we were able to kind of put on a screen, some of the things that have gone through our head in the last week and temptations that we've felt mm-hmm. in this last week, we probably all feel a little bit embarrassed. Mm-hmm. That's reality. So can somebody have desires and that are contrary to God's word, contrary to God's design and still follow Christ? Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or else, or else there's really no help for anybody here, at least on this couch and specifically on this side of the couch. There's no hope for, for me. Um, but then we then we have to go into the next level. Okay, well, can you find can you have an identity in something that is contrary to God's word, contrary to God's design, um, and still claim allegiance to Jesus? And this is kind of a this is pretty thin ice, I would say, because actually when we come to the cross, we surrender identity to Jesus, right? So my identity uh, is not what was leading me up until that moment until I I encountered mm-hmm. Christ. Now. My identity is found in him and I'm a new creation in him, right? So all of my, the things that I thought were important, the things I was finding identity in mm-hmm. are actually surrendered. They're not, um, they're exchanged. The idols that I worshiped and who I thought I was and um, this part of who, like even in my sexuality um, has to be submitted to the identity of Christ. Um and then lastly, so we have, we have desire, we have identity, and then we have practice. And I go like, well, if somebody's trying to make a case for continual, unrepentant, uh, immoral practices, the new te- nobody in the New Testament and none of the New Testament writers make any room for that. Mm-hmm. And so you actually have to, again, come back to this point, like, am I going to trust the authority of Scripture? Um, and, and because, yeah, like mm-hmm. a lot of times people want to try to pit Jesus against Paul and Paul against Jesus. And it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, well, Paul is so, um, you know, he's so hard-nosed and he's so, like, uh, strong on some of these points of, of morality. And it's just Jesus is just love and just grace. And it's like, you have to ask yourself a question. Does Jesus like Paul? Mm-hmm. I would say Jesus likes Paul. You know what I mean? Do we, like, Paul even talks about how when he encountered, he encountered the Lord is as he was taught directly by the Lord on some of these things. Mm-hmm. And so you actually have to go, okay, well, how do I marry some of these hard-nosed things that Paul talks about in, in Romans 1 to 3 with the Beatitudes, with the Sermon on the Mount? Um, how do I marry these, these, how do I reconcile these realities of Jesus coming saying, hey, like, I'm not here to abolish the law, I'm here to fulfill it, um, yet also, um, or I'm trying to say, like, how do I reconcile what's said in the Old Testament law with Jesus being the fulfillment of those things, right? Because that's that's mm-hmm. important. So, um, yeah, I know that's that's a rabbit trail of all rabbit trails there. But uh, but I think those mm-hmm. three points are very important for us to hold 
and to have, be very sure of is like desires, identity, and practice have to be uh, differentiated. And I think the reality we have to, as Christians, Western church, it, like we have to come to grips with the reality that we are going to be misunderstood mm. and accused of things. And that's really hard. Yeah. So, so let's maybe jump into one of those sort of accusations because, you know, we, we, we use and we have been using language of like sin and brokenness and the need for healing. And, and often what comes with that is the accusation. It's like, yeah. well, that's incredibly homophobic or transphobic. So what, what do you do with what do you personally do with those terms? And, and you know, because because that's that's how I could see easily yeah. play, this playing out even as we record this. Right. Well, I. I would think you like you got to check your you have to check your heart. Mm-hmm. Are you scared? Are you um, disgusted? And I think I am sad that I do see that in some people who claim to be followers of Christ. Yeah, is I actually do see this like repulsion to people who are made in the image of God. Yeah. And and I I mean I think back this was years ago and I mean where we live in this region we're fairly like. Bible Belt. Bible Belt conservative, you know, but I remember I was working at Starbucks just before we were married, and I hear uh, the staff is talking. I come in on the conversation. They're like, oh, so-and-so's coming. Like, he's going to be assistant store manager. And he is flaming. Like, just (laughs) you know, they're saying that, man, he's as much a girl as Anna is. And I just was like, oh, I've never worked with someone who's gay before. I mean, this was like 18 years ago. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, do not reduce him to his sexuality because yeah. that's what the enemy wants him to do. Mm-hmm. And I and it, and it was my first time of having to go, how do I treat somebody? Am I scared? Yeah, I was a little bit scared because I'd never experienced. What do I do? And it's like, well, the Holy Spirit has to help you figure out how to be kind. Yeah. You know, and so then it's like. I mean, I, I wonder, like, will Jeff ever see this video? I doubt it. But I remember just being like, Jeff, awesome to meet you. How are you doing? Like, I just was like, I am not going to give in to mm-hmm. that. Like, what yeah. maybe even I'd grow like, you, I don't know. You just grow up and you hear people make jokes or like, oh, you yeah. know, he's so, did you see that? They're totally gay. Like, just so demeaning and rude. Mm-hmm. It's like, are we going to, like, we can't live like yeah. that as Christians, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I think and I, really I can say personally, like that, a deeper understanding of like the Latin term imago Dei, which is like what, or again, Orthodox Christianity has always believed is that there's inherent worth within humanity because they are made in the image of God. We are all image bearers. Everybody watching That's this, right. everybody um, who's maybe not watching it, every single person. A human person bears the image of God and has inherent worth and inherent value and is worthy of dignity, honor, and respect. And so like when Peter says like to give an answer for the hope that lies within you with reverence and humility, like for with gentleness and with with patience, right? Like we want to come in and just blast somebody with a biblical mic drop and expect them to just like, oh yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Like I just really want to give my life to Jesus now that you've completely embarrassed me and made me feel so ashamed. Is like we need to be able to give people answers that lead them out of of the of the pain and suffering that they're in. Um, but it's only with uh, just that genuine reverence and humility 
that we we have to exemplify. We have to be patient with people and and be compassionate because God's been so patient with us. So mm-hmm. maybe a final a final word of encouragement for for those watching, and maybe I'd love for you to pray for for the church in general uh, as you close too. Yeah. Hmm. I think. I mean, I know if I could speak to parents who are a little bit panicked right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. I think I would just want to encourage them that a couple things. One is to be aware of damaging stereotypes, gender stereotypes, and start to start to recognize where maybe there's some cultural, maybe or generational within your family of like this is what a man's supposed to be, this is what a woman's supposed to be, and how some of that rigidity can actually create shame for our sons and daughters. Um, I won't go any further in that, but just watch out for that. And then also like bless your sons and daughters. Mm. Say to your son, I'm so glad God gave you to us. And I'm so like, wow, you're such a, you're such a brave boy. You're such a strong boy. Say to your daughters, you know, I'm glad God gave us a girl. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of, I mean, if I'm saying I'm using the language of blessing, there's been a lot of cursing that has happened to a young generation of I didn't even want you, man, I wish you were, I wish you were a girl or, uh, you know, there's favoritism between brothers and of brothers over sisters or sisters over brothers. And that type of stuff creates chaos in the heart of a little child. So um, those are some like really practical things that parents could do, but then maybe also hear the father in heaven say to you, and this is what happened to me when I was 19. Like he said, Bonnie, I made you a girl on purpose. Cause I had wrestled. I didn't, I, now I realize it would have probably been, I'm like, man, I probably, that would have been like identified as, as dysphoria of some kind, not extreme, but I was, I just was like, I think it would have been better if I was a boy. Like you put that into now, like 20, you know, 20 years later, that would have been something Mm -hmm. that would have been, I would have misunderstood myself a lot further, but still the Lord had to get to the bottom of that. And he blessed me and just said, I made you a girl on purpose. And it opened me up to like, oh, I can, like, I'm feminine, even if I'm not like stereotypically feminine at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So those would be a couple of thoughts. Yeah. 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 I can go ahead and pray for us. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Father, we we do just thank you for this conversation today. Lord, and we do, um, we just thank you for Central Heights. Lord, they're willing Mm -hmm. um, to step into this, uh, into this conversation and to wade into these waters that can be hostile. Um, but Lord, we, we want to be a church. We want to be a people that make the gospel a big deal. We want to make a big deal, Jesus, about what you've done to reconcile uh, humanity back to yourself. And Lord, we do pray that uh, you would work in us um, what needs to be worked in us, God, so that we can, um, that you can work through us what needs to happen in our communities, yeah. in our churches, and uh, in our cities to see, uh, to see your kingdom uh, come and your will be done. And uh, I, Lord, I pray for anybody who's watching or, or listening to this and um, is struggling, is confused. Lord, I, I pray that they would just see um, the grace and mercy and, and patience and, um, uh, and just the kindness, God, in your heart towards them. Um, that, Lord, that you, you are not ashamed of them, that you, you want to lead them uh, not just to being a moralistic person or not just being a quote-unquote good person, but you want to lead them out of death into life. 
in that um, your design is beautiful and can be trusted and your heart is good and that you are more, um, you are sufficient, God, for everything uh, in their past and everything that separated uh, them from you. And, uh, but Lord, we just, we do pray for that healing and that uh, transformation to take place in their life. And that, uh, that God, you get the glory in writing uh, a new chapter, a fresh chapter in their life, uh, filled with good, with truth and righteousness in Jesus name. Amen.